Good morning. Oh, you're looking right at me. I was. I was waiting for it. So you didn't give me a hard time today. <laughs> I didn't give you a hard time last week. Oh, just it's just all in fun. I'm just having fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, I can take good fun. All right. Good. Um. Good morning. Welcome to your daily game face. It's uh, July. Uh, I don't know. Twenty something. Twenty second. Is it really? Yep. Twenty second. I don't know. Good. July twenty second. <laughs> don't date Twenty twenty. And here we are again. Yep. Um. So. Lots to talk about as usual. I wanted to first, um, I, I wanted to update. People were asking about my lovely cat. Yes. Mushy. Yep. So he had surgery to have his leiomyosarcoma. There's a mouthful. Leiomyosarcoma. Leiomyosarcoma out of his duodenum. His duodenum. I say all those things fast yep. 15 times, right? Um, so he had it removed on Monday. He came home yesterday. Um, and they were they would love him because he pulled his catheter out multiple times he <laughs> pulled his diabetic sensor out and had they had to go to the pharmacy and get a new one wow um and he pulled that one out uh he's I'd taken pull my catheter out too so i <laughs> sympathize with him he and then when i got him home um the little bugger took that elizabethan you know the sh cone of shame oh yeah the yeah. cone of shame yep. did not make i i finally said i give I'm, <laughs> I give. I mean, it just yep. wasn't working for us. So um, it's all he, fun and games till someone ends up in a cone. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he uh, he has uh, had it removed, and I'm just waiting on the results of it. Uh, although it is cancer, we don't know exactly, but there was no spread. They don't think so. Oh, we're, good. I'm just waiting to hear today. Oh, so good. for people that had reached out and asked, um, he's feisty. They said he was <laughs> um, naughty, but fun naughty you know and he yep. wanted to go home they said he woke up two seconds literally after the surgery and was bouncing around like let me out let me out let me out so he's they said he's a fighter which is good so everyone keep him in your thoughts your prayers yep. if you pray or good energy if you're buddhist or whatever you do cat prayers what cat prayers yes Does the catholic Ex church go for that kind yes, of thing yes exactly yeah. so he's but he he is home and he's doing seemingly well he was mad at me this morning because i had to give him lots of different medications and that was not happy making <laughs> but at least he's not wearing the cone because he yeah. won't let me put it on him and that just went flying across the room were any of those shots the um, medication he has an insulin shot yeah but that's the easiest one because he's very tolerant of that it's yeah. the in the mouth <laughs> yeah. so i tasted all the things he which is <laughs> i'm not recommending my listeners to do, do but they're all regular mainstream medications because yeah. They, because one of them made him froth at the mouth, so I wanted to make sure, oh, you know. Yeah. And I know why, because it's really bitter, and it was like, ooh. So I just, you know, did a little dab and tasted. I'm like, well, that's why he's frothing, because it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, so a little, a little zithromycin, a little clavamox, a little gabapentin. Gabapentin's bitter. That's why he's frothing. Okay. So he was less than pleased, but now he's happy because he's like, ooh, I'm on cloud nine. Yeah. So. Um, there was a point in my life where I found myself giving insulin shots to a cat and what, yeah. questioning what I was doing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm so used to it. I've had yeah. over my, in the past 20 years, I've had two cats with both hyperthyroid and, and not him and also diabetes. Mm -hmm. So that's like, it's like it not even, it's just so, the, the vet just hands me stuff and goes, you know what to do. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, speaking of vets, I, I, I do want to say, because I think people should get kudoed when they do a fantastic job, and I don't think people do enough of that. So Dr. Alexandra Shaler at Middlesex County Veterinary Hospital in Billerica, Massachusetts, and Dr. McCarthy are fantastic. They always take fantastic care of my pets, and, um, and she always mm. says my pets are perfect. I think she says that to everybody's <laughs> pet, but um, nonetheless, I appreciate it. And I Cat think surgeons, that's kind of an interesting career uh, isn't it i know well dr mccarthy is the is the main surgeon for these types of things he's oncology i believe and other things so i mean so he's a cat oncologist pet onco cat specifically i or think it's small pet okay oncology so cats dogs um etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah but dr shaler is the one that's the mainstay there wow. and she's fantastic yeah. and um she's from around here and it's an interesting career isn't it yeah, I think that if I had not gone into oh. this, because I do animal behaviorism anyways, as my, I think it would have been, I was going to be a marine biologist. I wanted to work with whales and dolphins. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. So I have a little bit of that with all my feline, you know, and dog and equestrian stuff that I do in psych. I just don't work. Can with... you calm or hypnotize or sedate my Australian shepherd for me? Um, you have an Australian shepherd and that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> That would be no. Oh, he is such a psycho. You need you need to send him out into a field and let him run and yeah. herd something. Yeah. You know, like 
geese. Oh, so another questioning at what point in my life I was. Yeah. It was just yesterday, as a matter of fact. I'm, I'm going through. He went through my kit, mm-hmm. my little grooming kit, and mm-hmm. started chewing up razors. So I'm sitting there and I'm counting the razors and the actual razors in that he chewed out, trying to account for them. Oh my! Yeah. And one was missing. Oh no! Uh, he seems okay, but yeah, it was like, wow. what am I doing with my life right now? The oh dog's boy. chewing. Why does the dog have to chew the razors? What what's in it for him? Well, he's clearly having a vitamin deficiency yeah. because he needs to chew the plastic. <laughs> is he chewing the plastic and or is he actually chewing the? Both. Okay. He's non-discriminate. You might want to put those in a childproof area. Well, yeah, they are. They are you know, now. Fur babies are your children, and they get into things they shouldn't. Now that was just a lapse in security. <laughs> because I was going to go downstairs to use the outdoor shower. Yeah. Yesterday, so I put my kit on the floor to the stairs oh, on my he... way down. I left it there for about three minutes, and he was <sighs> into it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Well, you know, don't do that again. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, and then the other thing that I had to talk about really quickly was um, I had one particular listener that often will listen, and he will give me his thoughts and advice and and feedback. So, and he actually made a very he good told point. Told me to shut up. Oh, you are. Oh, you are <laughs> on a roll. No, he okay. actually wanted me. Oh, that was fresh, by the way. What? Um, you're fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing he, fresh about that. He, that was self-deprecating. Wa- I, oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about me shutting up. No, it told oh, me shut to up. shut up. Yes, yeah. you should shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, we can say that about you. Yep. Um, no, he wanted to, he asked me about defining what staying in your lane is because he was talking about it with other people and he, you know, he knows me well and he said, yep. oh, you know, I know what you mean, but I wonder if other people are thinking that it means, and these are my words, you know, staying in your lane means, you know, being complicit to not say anything at all or being a bystander and, and just staying out of people's business or, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's not, it, so when I say stay in your lane, it's about appropriately speaking up if you see something that's yeah. obviously wrong or something that's egregious or abhorrent, you know, all the, all the anomalies on the board if it's like impacting you. But staying in your lane is really staying out of other people's business and if you do get involved, it's assertively not encroaching in an aggressive way on someone's um, yeah. rights, feelings, emotions, or invalidating their experience. Um, and you know, and you know, see something, say something, but also minding your own business when it's a not appropriate kind of thing. So can it's I, really that. Can I fine give you an line. example of not staying in your lane? Can you give me an example? Yeah, sure. There's a local group. I'm from Newburyport. Yep. And there are local Facebook groups and things like that. There is a group of people. <laughs> that, that says it all right there. <laughs> yep. There is a group of pa- people on two of these local groups who is going around checking every member's Facebook page to out racists. Awesome. That's not That's staying in your lane. That's not staying in your lane. <laughs> yeah. That is definitely a not stay in your lane. Outing wow. what they th- what they call racists. Exactly. So they're vetting all the members in the group right now. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's spectacularly I'm a of a not groups staying and I in the lane. Some of that stuff going yeah. on, and I just don't say anything just because there's so many people already chiming in. Oh yeah. And it's just like. Oh, I don't say anything either because I'm staying in my lane. Yes. Yeah. The, well, that's right. You stay. Yeah. So that's where an appropriate use of staying in your lane is because why feed the. Yeah. Insanity, right? Jumping into what's going to, what is positively going to happen from jumping into that fray. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the important piece of like understanding what's Or productively. Staying. You like, you like the word productively. Right. What's productive about right. jumping well, into that, that and, fray? And so staying in your lane is, is really important that if you feel compelled to, to say something, make sure it's going to be productive. If you're just doing it to be, you know, the moral majority police or the, you know, or in the agenda, you know, is your goal to just, enhance something or is your goal to tick somebody off and and just get a fight going because most of the time when you see people come out of their lane and say something it's to engage in the fight and yeah what's the point of doing that because you know it's really not going to help you um this is like kids and teenagers in general sometimes where they are eliciting a response yeah and they don't care positive and negative Right. Energy is the same to them. Negative right. negative attention is sometimes just as good as positive exactly. attention to a lot of teenagers and to a lot of people right now. Right. They're looking for negative right. attention as much as anything else. Well, I think and I think it comes down to the conversation I was having this week about this with other people was that people are so bored that when they wouldn't, you know, people who two things, people who um, 
don't stay in their lane anyway aren't going to stay in their lane. Yeah. But b when you add in like boredom or agitation, frustration, and the things that are going on in the world currently, or people yep. feeling pressed upon emotionally, which everybody is, yep. um, and people can say they are, but they are, that feeds that likelihood of someone coming out of their lane to say, hey, you should be, do you should, the, that word, yep. you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that, don't do this, don't do that, and you know, to gain a sense of control, always going right. back to the sense of control in your own life, when in fact, it's like, well, you know, how is it impacting you? Yep. Is it really impacting you that, that person is is doing that? If it's not, well, you know, if you're making a greater statement because it's hurting other people and you're all involved, well, you know, it's really being more appropriate. I mean, it's looking at the reasons and the goal of why you're right. saying something. And, you know, and if you don't say something and you do stay in your lane, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're complicit in, in, in saying, yes, oh, yes, this is a great thing. It just means you're staying out of it. Right. And sometimes staying out of it is a good thing because why bring something to your life that isn't necessary? And people in negative attention, you know, just going out of the lane just to be, you yep. know, to engage in the fight. Remember months ago when I said I went hiking? Yes. And the guy that was kept engaging, and yep. he wanted the fight, he wanted the fight. And we kept saying, like, oh, I'm so sorry about that, you know. And finally, he was completely calm. You know, I stayed yeah. in my lane, but I actually was speaking to him, but right. not in an aggressive way to in encourage the ramp up of the of the agitation. So reading that cue well. But people like to engage that. People like chaos. People like the food for fodder because it feeds the boredom. Yeah. You know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And there it is. And yeah. that angry space is like, oh, let's, let's you know, provoke a fight or let's get involved or feel like we have to do something. And then go eat some Oreos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we go back? To, I, I don't want to get this too far in the woods today, already today, but you went, you touched upon something that I think is so important in today's society right now that yeah. we as a people have to understand is we have to accept things. Like, for example, I'll use a specific and you guys can go with it where you will. There are always going to be racists in this country. Yeah. No, no matter how much we protest, no matter how much we burn, no matter how many cars we flip or police we uh, fire. Right. There's going to be a racist. You can't go for utop utopian society because it's always going to exist. Right. And a, a lot of it is about being productive about it. Like, for example, uh, this is my prime example right now. Do you remember the guy from Duck Commander? Mm -hmm. When he was talking about it, I did an interview and he said, yeah, I don't understand why a guy would be attracted to another guy. Right. He likes women. Right. And there are always going to be people who feel that way. Right. And might even say that. Right. But if he's not out discriminating against homosexuals and gays. Right. For whatever reason. What do you care what he thinks? Right. And by the way, he wasn't particularly malicious about it. It was just kind of, you know, that was his thinking. Right. So so to the point, so there's a psychology. So, so accept the fact that there are going to be people who don't agree with you as long as someone's not getting hurt as a result. So I think there's that, that's, the, that's a very important distinction there. So when we talk about the psychology, so what I was going to say is there's a psychology of, of there's studies of psychology of racism, but it's the overarching psychology of pre prejudice and discrimination. Right. And so there's major studies all the time on that. There's people that practice in that. There's law practices on mm -hmm. that and so on and so forth. But, and I think we differentiated this a while back, but it's, it's about everybody has prejudice. Yes. Right. So yep. we all have our biases. Prejudice mm -hmm. is a bias. And it's it's the thought process. And it's really important to delineate that out that it's we all think a certain way. You know, right. if I say, oh, she's blonde. What do you think? If that person's yep. wearing glasses, if that person's short, tall, black, white, purple, you Irish, know, Asian, yeah. <laughs> African-American, yep. you know, Cambodian, like everybody has you have an immediate response in your head based on how you were raised, what your experience level right. is, um, your socioeconomic status, all those things come in and to play. So, but that's in your head bubble. It stays in your head bubble for most people because it's just an association that comes with right. it, how you, how you learn. Now, whether or not it's a prejudice that turns into something racist or something that's biased against someone right. and then goes into discriminatory behavior that's acted on, um, that's, you know, basically on that continuum of how psychologically impacted a person really is by the intensity of their life experience around that particular right. prejudice. And then do they act on it? So when you see people you know, that, that say, oh, I don't, I don't have prejudice. I don't have racism. Everybody has some prejudice in them about something. Sure. And it's about being honest with yourself about like, do you act on it? And so to your point, you know, the psychology behind prejudice is acknowledging what your biases are and then knowing whether or not you act on them or not. And how do you not act on them so that you don't hurt people right. or that you, that you get in more accurate, um, 
idea in your head of what people, you know, you can't say all people in one particular group right. or all, you just can't do that. But people learn to do that. Sure. So, you know, societies teach their children to grow up in, you know, and, and you can see that even if we take, you know, the grid of the, of the United States and split it in, a, in quarters, yeah. Northeast, Southwest, right? Yep. You can see the different prejudices just in the the. You have an idea what a northeastern reason, a northeastern right, person it, is like. Exactly. Or, yeah. So you 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 know you could take it on big global levels all the way down to the minute little details of of people with freckles. Yep. You know whether and and being understanding of where do your thought, where do your cognitions, where do your ideas in your head sit. And then how do they impact your behavior and choices to act out against someone or not? Um, the better you have that in control, you know, the better off things typically are for your right. surroundings and your community, which is, is important. I mean, what is the sense in, in having a prejudice that's so intense that you have to, like, lash out at someone and hurt them? Right. Like, why? Why is that necessary in life? But that goes to I, I had a wonderful professor at UMass Amherst many years ago. Um, well, not that many because I'm not that old. So, <laughs> um, But many years ago, his name is Irvin Staub, and he was in the Holocaust, and he was a survivor of the Holocaust, and, and he wrote a fantastic book that's out there called The Psychology of good and evil and that book talks a lot about this phenomenon of, of just yeah. how we and not just our culture but human beings have this it's it's we form biases based on our, our cultural upbringing and then they're shaped by you know authority figures and powerful things and other yeah. other pieces and then it shapes us and you know and and taps into our goodness our kindness and or our, right. our antisocial you, behaviors you're talking about the person's behavior what i'm talking about is a reaction to that too mm -hmm. because like for, you have again it's about i love your word being productive and deciding what's productive like for example we could chase around the state and have every school with a Native American mascot changed, mm -hmm. but we're wasting energy on that because what is that, what is, you know, where is the harm from that? some people will say that they're not, you know, so you have the side that's going to say that you're wasting energy on that, and you're yeah. going to have the side that's saying you're not wasting energy on that because in psychology, then all sides that have feelings would be valid. So as much <laughs> as people would roll their eyes yeah. probably at that, it's, it's that all sides have their meaning there, and, and, it's, and it's how they react. So it goes back to shows ago that we talked about response versus reaction. Yep. Do you have a healthy response? And, and I t tend to stay away from appropriate. I know I use it sometimes, right. but it's like yeah. appropriate response. But it's a healthy response versus a reaction, which is typically out of, strong emotion, intense emotion. Intense emotions typically not rational, reasonable, and realistic. Right. It's usually really um, biased and prejudiced by a lot of other information that's coming in versus do I need to really respond to that? So, you know, whether we're talking about changing the name of, you know, uh, a military installation or the yeah. name of a high school, a high school yeah. football team, you know, it's really in how is it being handled and what's, you know, and people having the ability to manage and adjust to, you know, what's behind it. I mean, there's, you know, these, if you look through history and you look through just like those kinds of things that have happened, we're seeing it more and more right now, sure. obviously, because yeah. of the culture of what's going on. But this has been happening, you know, throughout time and, and effective change around some of these things comes when there's less intensity of reactionary things and more responsiveness, understanding, thoughtful process, cognition. You see when changes are made like that, that often happens. Not to say that reactionary change doesn't happen as well, but yep. you see that it's much more longstanding. It holds its ground longer. It has more concrete. It's not on, on shaky legs in the sand, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's in psychology in my, in my field, it's like all sides are valid. If there's a feeling, it doesn't mean that, you know, you've said before, you know, the reality doesn't necessarily mean that the it's, you know, the facts, but it's the person's right. reality. And therefore it's valid if they have a feeling that's strong about it. it may not make sense to you or me, but to them, it does. So there has to be a validation. It's kind of like um, if I'm sitting with a psychotic patient, for instance, and they're having hallucinations and delusions, you know, rule of thumb is we don't agree and join with them. Right. But we validate the experience by saying, I, I know, because I know that they're, for them, the truth is that they are hearing, you know. But it's about helping them deal with these reactions in a productive right. way. And so that they don't, you know, get exacerbated and they don't escalate and make something happen right. not healthy for the person or to someone else because of them. Right. You know, so many years ago I had a patient that 
at, at a hospital I was working at that was looking out at a tree in this beautiful hospital grounds and kept saying that she saw um, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, and Christopher Columbus was, was the leprechaun coming across. And as much as that's funny, um, I remember it to this day because it was one of the first experiences with an actual full-blown psychotic person. And, yeah. I, you know, in my head, I was like, there's no way this can happen because our human yeah. nature is like, right, okay, that's crazy. Yeah. But, but when you look at it from how do you get the person to not get upset because there were some people like some other workers that were being challenging and we'll put it in that way this they kept saying oh that's not true that's not yeah and she would escalate sure and as soon as i said to her i absolutely believe you see that and i'm sure that that's there and whatever she was nice and calm because i didn't agree with her but i validated her experience and so we moved on and we were actually able to do good work together because of that but anybody that she knew was challenging that it, she didn't see it became a problem it's so it's right. i use that as the example as the extreme so that it's really a lot of what happens now and when you have someone that you know i feel strongly about this and you're basically saying no you don't you can't take someone's feeling away even if you think it's totally irrational does that make sense yes <laughs> you, my you know. my no my personal issue yes is the kneeling for the anthem thing Okay. That's my issue for since it started uh-huh. uh, with Kaepernick back in the day, and I've had a strong emotional reaction to it and fought against it. And I'm coming around not to not to a level of understanding. I'm, I think it's misguided, but I'm curbing my reaction to it mm-hmm. and other yet staying in my lane mm-hmm. a little bit more. Railing about this at this particular point is nonproductive. Right. Nonproductive for everybody. It's going to happen. Except that there are people who are out there, and I think they're misguided, but they're out there and they're doing it. I have to I have to contain my reaction to it so that it's not non-productive for me. Right. Right. So well, you're so yeah. So you're you're taking a situation and you're managing it so that you don't have something unhealthy happen for yourself, or that you don't get occupied or obsessive or uh, ruminating about it because yeah. that's what happens to many. It's just people prioritizing get, energy and, right. and emotion. It's like right. I don't need to put doesn't this mean much that you're, into it's this. It's not, and it doesn't mean that you can't assert yourself and have a conversation about it right. when you want to. But it means that it doesn't have to preoccupy right. an obsessive mind, which is what happens to a lot of people. You know, when you have reactionary yeah. responses, reactionary responses, you usually get them out of someone who's just ruminating about it and can't let it go because, you know. Many people are like this, you know, I want you to believe what I believe or else we can't function. Plus, social media feeds the monster. Well, it's there all the time. Of course. Right? right. And so you're getting the stimulus all the time. And if that's a thing for you that elicits nonproductive responses, you just as you're going to be the bear that's poked right. constantly. So are you right. going to are you going to give in and be victim to that? Right. Or are you going to control that reaction? Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, and there's always people out there that are purposefully. Yes. Poking. Yes. And they want you yep. to to do that because they, you know, they come, they were raised and it's usually from, you know, they were raised in the chaos of having fight, you know, and I use that loosely. It could look like anything. It could just be agitation in the house. It could just uh. be that there was always unsettled stuff going on. And that's how people function. You know, a lot of times people come into my office and I say, what would it be like to not, you know, be in chaos? What would it be like not to feel yeah. like that? And some people say, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Some people say, oh, that would be wonderful. And then when you actually put stuff in play to get it to yeah. go there, they can't let go of, well, yeah, but I want to have the chaos. My you know, family was emotional chaos, yeah. and every dinner table was political debate. Yeah. It was just, it was shocking. Constantly. I wouldn't yeah. think that for yeah. any minute. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. No, I do. No, I know. I, I understand. Do. Yeah. Yes. And it just, it turned me the opposite direction. As I like to tell people, I was raised in Massachusetts in a union household during Camelot, you know, and the only party I've ever been enrolled in was the Democrat Party. And because of all these debates over the years, I just walked away. I guess this is nuts. This is nuts. I don't, I don't believe in any of this. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, not that the way I was raised in my household, whoa, I mean, in terms of politics and everything, well, I, my dad's very political, so I'm just, yeah. I go right down to the, I'm not speaking about this currently. <laughs> nope, I'm out. No, nope, I, because there and is And my no, poor kids, their mother's a teacher's union liberal, and their father's a, con, you know, uh, at least a fiscal conservative and right. social moderate, and, right. you know, so they bounce back and forth. But, you know, I, I try not to... I try to let them get there themselves. 
Well, I, th- I think that like going back to, you know, the original topic of, I mean, sort of the theme of staying in your lane and then racism and prejudice and the psychology behind it is, is being able to have a dialogue that's productive. Right. And there's that word again, right? A dialogue that's productive. I think that, you know, I have, I have lots of friends that I adore that because of the politics and the psychology of politics, which is on the table a lot these days, yep. um, you can have really good productive conversations when everyone's just it does, everyone knows that they're not looking to be changed or that you're not you're just you're just exchanging ideas because that's what it is versus when you get into the you're wrong you're wrong i'm right i'm right i hate you yeah. i don't like you yeah. you know you're terrible you're awful you know you're me and then it turns into that i think that you know if you can have those open open productive conversations doesn't mean it's going to change anybody but what it does mean is that you're able to put it out there and not sit on it. I mean, that's kind of one of the, the, the hallmarks of having a better life in general is to yeah. be able, whether it's politics, sex, religion, money, what kids, you're being able to talk about it without a fight. People are very invested much of the time in the right fight. And I know I've talked about that yeah. before. The psychology of people is, you know, for me to be okay and me to be fine and settled is I have to be right versus you know, no, there is no win. It's about you have your ideas. That person has theirs. Let's exchange ideas and see where that leaves us. And it's, at the end of the day, let's still like maintain a relationship. And if we can't, let's not because because we mudsling or yeah. we throw names. Which brings me back around to my original point, which is a skill I think we need. You need to determine which of those conversations are going to be. And I love the words because it works in so many places. Productive. Right. And not engaging when it's not going to be productive. If a person believes something right. and it's not affecting you it's not affecting money they're just sitting there going you know that guy's crazy right let him go right exactly what do i care right if someone is trying to affect a piece of legislation if they're out you know doing something that's destructive yeah stand up and fight if if they're causing harm right in some way but if a person just wants to sit in a corner and go that guy's crazy right okay exactly yeah right i mean yeah it's it's, yeah it's it's, about not engaging everything you know i mean right so talking about upbringing you know and, and i use this with clients as well and, and my mom and dad used to I, my dad in particular used to say is this a bridge you're willing to die on yep and i love that phrase i use that with my clients yeah. all the time i mean i use hill but yeah i use it all the time. times a yeah. day people are dying on the bridge yep for what yep. and and so i you know that's one of the things that really got me through the crazy <laughs> teenage years because yep. teenage i would not go back to that and god bless all the teenagers out there and you know and and just kind of even day-to-day stuff now is like at the end of the day does it really matter did anyone die and do you really want to engage in that like not really you know because it's it's like what is it going to bring to your life by going onto that bridge you know and i'm a visual person so i actually see it like standing in the middle of a bridge and just letting the bridge blow up like why stand on that bridge why do that do you really want to do that there's so many you know you know more effective things and in life to be doing and not that and it's such a waste of time but people are bored so you know hence we come back around to this is people have a lot of time on their hands even though people are working you know from home and doing things people are just overstimulated with all the the news the social media um multiple opinions because now everyone's home together and there's family time and all these things and so you've got uh, you know overdrive on the brain and it's stimulated and then if you're very embedded into your ways of thinking and you're not necessarily a person who is flexible in your thought process um then it's it's really hard and you find more and more provocation from that you know you see people on social media we use those websites like you were just saying you know like the 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 pages of the towns and stuff they're just forums a lot of the times for unhappiness and misery and you know and i see that i i usually just click by because i'm like oh that's so sad because they just you know people will say something really nice and you have to you know i I saw a post the other day of someone posting up something about their kid doing something really nice in the community but they preemptively struck by saying you know i'm i'm saying this first because i don't want anyone to say something negative they had to do this whole prologue disclaim it yeah and then ask for the ask of what it was and i you know i read that feeling for that parent who was just trying to help their kid who was trying to do something kind but knew there was going to be backlash from people that wouldn't agree it was in it's just like you know really like that's so sad that it has to be that way and i understand why it is because the person understands the psychology of people who are going to provoke and need to have reaction and need to have the you know the last say or the final say or the right fight 
and it's it's goes it, it streams through all the things that we're talking about today. Um, and this is challenging right now because the two big issues we're facing on a day-to-day -day basis, an hour-to-hour -hour basis, there is an element of harm involved in it. Sure. So, yeah, and by the way, both sides of the issue can claim that. Sure. Right. Right. Well, so, yeah, so, and we're on that continuum. So there's some societal harm involved here. So it's it gets increasingly difficult to stay quiet. It's mm -hmm. one thing to skate your lane when, you know, it's not affecting you or it's not affecting anybody. It's just someone said something stupid. Right. Let it go. Keep right. walking. Exactly. But in, in these two particular issues right now in this particular time, there is some harm at stake. And, and again, both sides can argue that. So I'm not taking one side or the right. other. Right. Both sides can argue there's some harm at stake here, which will even draw in people who have trouble who stay in their lane because, well, yeah, I could stay quiet, but this is affecting this. This is affecting that. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their lives. People are, you know, getting sick. You know, there's, there's well, champion, I mean, the, champ, legitimate championing to be done. Right. Is that the word I wanted, championing? Yeah, championing. Um, the the psychology of politics. Like, mm -hmm. there's some fabulous writing out there, even little short articles that people can read about if you, you know, if anyone out there is interested in just kind of being grounded around the issues. And it's not about these specific issues. It's kind of taking the global understanding of why people get involved in politics right. and the psychology behind it and, and what happens. I mean, so you, you do a quick Google search on the psychology of politics, and it will give you a few articles kind of speaking to that. And then there's also some tips in there of how to, like, manage that right. – that, um, the co the cognitive dissonance, or for people who don't know what that is, it's the conflict that comes up in your head between the sides of 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 any topic that comes up, whether it's politics or yep. whatever. But there's very specific things around. They've done so much research in over the years um, about the 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 politics and is, psychology and people and who who each person is because they take individuals and look at them yeah. and you look at, you know, the personality pieces and you look at, you know, the socioeconomic status of each of the individuals involved or the demographic of where a person comes from. And, and again, grid, you know, if we grid up the country into four spaces, you know, Northeast, Southwest and, and the, yeah. in the lower and upper regions, you have very different political psychology based on those yeah. specific things. And there's wonderful writing out there. I mean, we could probably spend like five shows just talking about, each regional psychology piece of politics and why it's shaped that way and what it helps and what yep. doesn't help and it would how you know something in the southwest wouldn't work in the northeast and why on the pragmatic factual base right. let alone you know just take all the the um personalized factors out of just look at the base and you just see wow that means a lot but people don't do that you know so I, I put it out there as the base to say hey there's a lot of other things that really go on but people unfortunately get to the surface and then there's that fight yeah. because people look at the politics of it's right versus left left versus right right and where are you on well that? you just brought up an interesting what I think is an interesting yeah. point in today's uh, political psychology uh, cognitive dissonance and yeah. am I is it a fair definition if I say it it's about your personal mental disruption between uh, the position you take and what you know to be true. Yes. Right? At yes. some level. Yes. So I think a lot of people are locked into positions where they are uh, attached to an I ideology. Right. And a position. Right. And then they see practical things that happen in the world that they have to stand up and dispute. Right. When they know this is going too far, this isn't what this means, right. but I'm locked on this side, so I have to take this position. Right. And and, and, the, and and I think a lot of people are caught in that situation. Right. And well, and, and so if I was understanding you correctly, it's and it's not that it, it, people do feel like they have to still stand up and take that other, you know, the position that they come from. But, you know, in, in psychology, it would be, well, there's there's other alternatives. Why don't you, you know, train well, your brain to go into there's other ways to look at it because that thing that you're holding on to is causing you usually people that are sitting in that position that you just you know distinguish between there's they're usually in a lot of strife yeah there's something well, going on and they wouldn't necessarily know it because people walk through life unaware of the fact that you know they're drinking too much or they're you know doing something you know gambling or they're you know angry all the time and punching walls or taking it out on their kids or whatever that's all manifested because people get stuck and they they harbor that. I mean, I'm giving the extremes of it, yeah. but you know, there's there's stuff out there that, you know, instead of sitting in the ideology of one thing, it's it, it's impossible not to know that there's other things. It's like saying we're flat. The you know the yeah. the Earth is flat. People believe that, but we know that if you look 
other sources but there are of information two, that's not true. The, the, the primary, the poster child for this is looking at uh, Black Lives Matter and the way this is going, and people agree with the founding principle, well, the supposed backing principle of Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. which is you know, lack of racism, lack of destruction against minorities and things like that. People understand that, they're attached to that, but then they see rioting, right. and somehow they have to find a way to rationalize that to stick with the position, and that cut, that's strife. You may not believe, you don't think people should riot, you don't pe think people should burn down businesses and things like that, but right. by the same token, because you're attached to that ideology, you have to defend it. And that right. puts you in a difficult position. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, if, if you're taking, you know, any subject where you have, you can have an ideology and know that, you know, I mean, you can you can still believe that one thing matters and then not agree with how it's, it, you know. Right. You can have the prejudice and then not act on it. Oh, I think, you, don't, we, you yeah. Know, you can have the thought can. and the idea and then you can also say, but I disagree with how it's being acted on, so I'm not going to participate. Yeah. Like, that's where the healthy piece would be. It's the, you know, it's the places where you're, you're, you know, people would be complicit in the, I'm, you know, I stand for this and it's okay that that's happening. It doesn't, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be all one fell swoop. I mean, there's, there's movement. It's not, I think I talked about last week or the week before, it's not the funnel and the tunnel. Yeah. It's, it's way broader than that. But mo like you're saying, most people are stuck in the ideology but and there's they a get lot wed of, to it and they can't move off of it. But there's a lot of pressure. Sure. Silence is violence. Sure. If, if you're not standing up, you're not if you're not standing up and being vocal, you're complicit. Right. And it's like, well, okay, I agree with the prince. I, I agree with what we say we're fighting for, but I don't agree with the way we're doing it. You're right. not allowed to be that way anymore. Right. You know. Well, I there, mean, there's a lot of pressure not to be that. There's way a anymore. lot of pressure. I would say there's a lot of pressure not to be that way around lots of things. Right. Yep. We're using this as the example, but it's a matter of, are you? Do you have the self-efficacy, the self-esteem enough to feel strong enough that you can stand up and say? that yep. and then let it sit and not have to then be concerned with what other people are going to say what other right. people are going to be concerned about how they're going to judge you you know you can stand for black lives matter you can stand for um you know all whatever you know whatever you're going to put in there and at the same time say and i don't agree with looting and rioting right. and being you know attacked on the street randomly or you know whatever it is right and and let that sit and be okay with it. A lot of people are afraid to speak up beyond yeah. the weddedness to their ideology because of how they've been raised. I mean, that's that's one of the big differences in that quadrant split yeah. psychologically in the country. You know, if you look at the the, the the political psychology, right, is that people are so wed right. to their ideologies and then not able to move on that. Um, and that's dangerous. Yeah. For the person, you know, if you have a group of people on that too, imagine, you know, clearly we see how that's ending up. But if you just look at it on the individual level and you're so stuck in that, you know, I mean, talk about type A personality or talk about someone who becomes incredibly, you know, ill internally. I mean, that drives cancers, it drives yeah. diabetes, it drives heart disease. It, you know, you know, if we take it just from that, the, the medical perspective of the health issues, it drives people to overeat, overdrink, yeah. um, you know, more likely to have, you know, a fight, get into domestic violence. I mean, those are the statistics that bear out on the negative impact right. of, of being wed to an ideology. And we're seeing it a lot now. Yeah. This is, kids are particularly, and, and by kids I'm saying teenagers. Teenagers, right. Um, you know, high teens, right. early 20s. Right. Kids are particularly susceptible to this type of pressure right now of having, of this cognitive dissonance. Yes. And it causes havoc for them. Right. It's, it's a very tough, because first of all, they have no awareness of it. They just know they're conflicted. Right. 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 Well, so so part of the one of the topics that I was going to bring up to you, and this kind of rolls into it, is is narcissism. So oh, yeah. so right. So narcissism yeah. is a really important component of this, and people often go with me on this for a little latitude. People often think of narcissism as just one of those, um, you know, those terms that you know, uh, it's a person that's over the top. You know, they're belligerent, they're annoying, they're just, you know, they yeah. think they're better than everybody else, and so on and so forth. But the actual clinical definition of narcissism is the under it's the underside of shame. Narcissism is a person is in a person who feels has damage and who feels embarrassed or worries about yes. being embarrassed or humiliated and ashamed of themselves. So they ha they build themselves up to make them look better. They put other people down to build themselves up. Their cup is always half full. They rely on other people to fill it up by putting them down. Right. It depletes over time because the ego, the reality manager in the person's life, has been damaged 
on yeah. some spectrum to some degree. When you see full-blown narcissism, I mean, that's like the full show of damage. There's not usually yeah. a conscience. They're not usually any of that. And then they're you see in, they're everybody, in. Has a little, everybody has a little narcissism because yep. we all have that worry about how we're yep. going to look and so on and so forth. So it's how is that moderating? Now, how does that fit into what we're talking about psychologically? It, it fits in that, you know, when people have an ideology, you know, and they're, and they're – taught this and they're taught you know they grow up in that environment and this is what it is and you know and then they stay wed to that you know narcissism feeds into that wherever their damages are that's a way of defending themselves and protecting yeah. themselves and this is very deeply rooted it's not like you know any person that walks up on the street to me today will start talking about this right. you know i mean i'd have to go into depth in therapy for that but it's it's super important to know that people are wed to their ideologies because of their of their internal baggage which is narcissism it's the hurts that they protect against that you can't disagree you know you see this in kids we're talking about teenagers teenagers have a really hard time you know the aha moment of yep. like oh my god my parents aren't really as smart as i thought they were they're not the god figure that i because now i'm i'm questioning what they think because i'm having different thoughts and some kids go away from it and are able to create their own thoughts on top of the ones that their parents taught them or their their environment taught them and then some kids don't and they stay right mm -hmm. wed to it and and that i mean you just that's what happens but what gets perpetuated towards damages and towards like more damaging um play out of of ideology that is stuck or fixated is is that narcissistic tendency to yeah. kind of really, you know, get, it's the entitled, I'm going to stand my ground, you're wrong, you're stupid. You, you know, it's the repeating out of the yeah. narcissism that they feel like if you disagree with them, forget it. You know, if someone disagrees with you, then it's, it, you know, because it, it's blowing apart the conflict, the cognitive dissonance right. that I can't stand my ground and you can't, how can you not agree? And, you know, where are we in this? Instead of having what I was saying at the top of the show is that dialogue to be able to agree to disagree, but still be respectful so that you at least are sharing ideas yep. that, you know, that you can still respect the person and not have to annihilate them emotionally on either side. And, and that all is, you know, kind of encompasses the whole thing we've been talking about today yep. is how do you um, live your best life or be, live your better life by being productive in your thought process by not engaging the narcissism of yourself or someone else. Yeah, narcissism is about the balance between internal validation and external validation. Right. right. A full-blown narcissist it has diminished or disabled internal right. validation. Right. They're, they're always they shopping externally, outside. which right. is why a narcissist will be different things to different people because they're managing their self right. to get the validation from the person that they're interacting with. Exactly. The teenage example that you talked about is teenagers having trouble finding their own worth they're told they're worthless all the time or mm -hmm. they don't have a sense of it so they see um you know they see a protest so they go grab a sign and go out there because that's the that's the self-image i want to be i want to be that person right because they're looking for the relevancy to fill right. the the spaces and the fractures in the narcissistic spaces yeah that they you know and and you know, usually for kids like that it like the, those are you know, yep. they go down to a protest, they do it, and then that's over for them. They have to move on to the next thing. It's the cup half full. Now that's depleted. Now what? It's like, you know, oh, okay, I ate the chocolate cake. It's the yep. same thing. I ate the chocolate cake. Now what? Right. Now this sleeve of Oreos. It's, so it's like always filling the external validation space so what to get it up there. But it depletes because the internal doesn't pick up the pieces to be able to say, right. you're okay. You're okay. Right. So what happens is when they run into resistance, whether it be teenagers or full-blown narcissists or people who are giving in at this particular period in their lives to right. their, their need for external validation, is that they react strongly to not getting it. Right. Oh, yes. And they don't have the inner strength to look at somebody who disagrees with them and say, that's okay. You disagree, yes. that's fine. Right. It's Yeah. They're, because giving into that, narcissism is all about building a self. Right. And giving into that is death of self. It's get, it's giving up that self that you so carefully built. Right. That you can look somebody in the eye, know they disagree with you, or think you're wrong, and go, hey, okay, great. Right. And, you know, and it, well, oh, we can talk about it, or you know, you listen. Good luck. Well, and usually when you when we're talking about the extreme of like a full blown narcissist, right, and the mm -hmm. damages, the defense, you know, narcissism is a defense mechanism. Yes. It's it's the protector. And in ultimate cases of the extreme versions of this, like the ability to have someone really get undamaged to undo the damage the person has to actually acknowledge is kind of like addiction you have to be able to acknowledge on your own that you have enough of the pain that's coming from it that right. it really has to change 
when you look at people that are thoroughly narcissistic, like take Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was a narcissist, yep. right? So if yep. people don't know who that is out there for listening world, he was one of the most famous serial killers in the world. I mean, he was charming, lovely, handsome, um, all these things, but he had no, you know, he had no soul. He had no self conscience. He had no piece of his ego, his reality manager that was intact. So therefore his level of a fracture from his childhood, which I could go into a whole story yeah. about that. He was so damaged that to undo that, he didn't. Ha he was so far to the extreme, he didn't have the want or need to want to undo that. And actively said, if you let me out, I would do this again because yeah. he's externally getting validation from killing women to get that cup filled each time. But each time he did it, he had to have it again right. to keep it filled because the narcissist um, piece was so embedded there that it wasn't really causing him at the end of the day enough pain to say, I want to be rehabbed. I want, I don't want right. to do this again. I'll, I'll tell you everything. Um, usually when you see that extreme of fracture in the ego and the self image and the self esteem, the protective factor, just, it, it doesn't matter the, the person will just keep wreaking havoc right. everywhere. And the cognitive dissonance, the internal versus the external validation is so in that tunnel vision and so stuck yep. fixated as in Freud would say, but fixated or in cognitive behavioral land. It's the, it's the, it's the thought process that's just perpetuating over and over and over again yep. and nothing else can break through because the wall is so well defended. Um, and, and on the outside, the person can look very, you know, if you don't know the person really well, the person can look very wonderful and appealing. And, and I mean, that's how Ted Bundy well, got people to They become to very come, skilled at that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a way that a person's helped themselves compensate to get what they need because of the fractures in their, in their self. Yeah. Um, Lack but, of empathy is a big, big quality among narcissists. So, yeah, because so, the priority is about their self. It's not right. about the person that they're dealing with. Right. Taking yeah. right. They, they'll walk over. So that's where that aggressive piece comes from is, you know, they'll walk over other people's emotions, feelings, they'll emotionally annihilate you to get what they need. Right. You know, they, you know, you say, okay, you know, uh, you know, this person's suffering and the person usually, you know, it's the typical response of, oh, they have that. Well, I have this. Yeah. You know, I mean, on the base level, you know, I, I was I was in college with someone uh, that was like that. And, you know, it's like if you said you stubbed your toe, she broke hers. Yeah. You said that someone had cancer. She had the first. You know, right. I mean, it just it's that it's that piece of I need to be it's part of that codependency with oneself as well. It's like I need to have you need me to yeah. be relevant in life. So going back to what you were saying is, you know, a person goes out and a kid goes out and protests and now it's like, okay, that cu filled up my cup, but now I've got no more relevancy. So now I got to find something else to be relevant. And so people are constantly searching for relevancy in life, um, whether they're fractured to the nth degree or just a little bit. We all have our fractures in ourself. And it's whether or yeah. not, you know, can we, can we look at them and really, and see, that's what psycho, you know, that's what I do for a living is help people heal their fractures essentially or heal what's currently fractured that was old fractures to get them to a place you know that's what the billion dollar business of self-help books is yeah. for is to you know fix that so that people come out of cognitive dissonance so that people can seek that out but but most of the time when you have people that are not doing that and people that are very wed to their ideology and yeah. very wed to their narcissism um, it's very difficult to move, and it becomes really unhealthy and dangerous potentially. Well, for where I started on a societal level, where people right. have to accept that there are going to be people out there who have racist thoughts, biased thoughts, prejudiced right. thoughts, just wrong thoughts. Right. It's going to happen. It's right. a big nation. Right. People think the earth is flat, and the moon landing was staged. So right. it gives you an idea. And what's the Holocaust didn't exist. Yeah, and what's right. going on out there, it's, right. and it's always going to be that way. Right. On a personal level, you have to kind of accept the fact that not everybody's going to love you all the time. Exactly. Not, and it starts as childhood. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, you know, that's one of the, I think one of the most commonly reported things I hear with parents saying my kid's struggling with social stuff. And it's, you know, the child usually will tell me like, you know, well, they don't like me. I can't get friends. They don't yeah. like me. But they have, you know, usually one or two friends, sure. but it's just they want the big picture. Right. And, and I often will say, well, do you like Sally? Do you like Sue? Do you like Bobby? And they're like, no. So it's okay for <laughs> yeah. you to not like someone, but if someone doesn't like you, so when, but if there's that little shift in the cognition of all of a sudden, oh, they rotate that concept. Right. Now it seems a little bit better because, you know, usually parents will say, well, you don't need everyone to like you. Yeah. And usually kids will go, 
but I do, you yeah. know, because, because kids are self-centered, kids are egocentric at that time because they're, they're working on not being damaged. So, but when you bring it up to a child and say, you know, just because Bobby doesn't like you, remember, you don't like Joe. And yeah. so that doesn't make it that you can't have friends with other right. people. It's just that, not that one. And that's okay. So all of a sudden kids can rotate that thought process and it's like, oh, that makes it easier. I mean, I grew up with my mom and dad and I have friends that have mom and dads that told them like, oh, they don't like you because they're jealous. I will tell you to this day, I mean, when I hear that, I go back to childhood <laughs> in my head going, what does that mean? You yeah, know, I, mean, yeah. I have that weight. And I know what it means, but back then I can still bring myself back to that moment going, that's so irrelevant to yeah. me that you just said that it has no yeah. meaning to me because it didn't mean anything. It, but if someone had said to me, you know, it's okay that they don't like you because you don't like that person and everyone has people that they like and don't like and there's millions of people in the world and someone eventually is going to like you, you're going to find the, your own people. Right. Like that would have helped me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what helps kids now is being able, it keeps them from being fractured instead of just being like, oh, this is the way it is. They're just jealous of you. Now move on. That has no meaning right. to people, right. to kids. And think about the burden for a kid or a person in general that has to has to manipulate the world to the point where everything is okay for okay them. Okay for them. I right. mean, that's so self. That's so exhausting. Right. So self defeating. So impossible. Right. How can you spend all that energy trying to make sure? And we started at the beginning of the show. That woman who had the post about her kids had to apologize because yeah. she was worried about how anyone is going to react to right. it. It's like when hopefully. She got to the and she obviously did because she posted it. But hopefully, she got to the point where I'm posting this about my kids and I don't give a damn, right? Whether whether right. you're upset by it or not, right? You know, yeah. And having that strength so that you don't have to manipulate the entire universe so it doesn't, you know, well, you're conflict saying, with right, you. Fifteen steps ahead of other yeah. people to make sure that you know you're not getting annihilated yourself right. and or hurting anybody else's feelings. That same, by the way, just as an aside, that same woman had posted up a couple other times just straight without posting that little prologue thing. And a couple times she was gone for a while, and then you would see like little things writing up that the admin had taken her off. Yeah. It's well, like, see, and yeah. nothing. And I read through her post and thinking, why? There was nothing wrong. But I, I would agree that at this point, like the cognitive dissonance, the admin didn't like what she was writing. But there wasn't anything. And I'll be the first one to say, like, you know, that was really inappropriate, you yeah. know. But it wasn't. And I'm thinking, why? It's because probably the admin didn't like her thought. Yeah. But in today's environment, this gets tough because it. it one of those same groups in my town in Newburyport, which is an idyllic little town. It's mm -hmm. not it's not a rage of political outrage most nope. of the time. Right. But in today's day and age, someone posted on one of the bridges on the rail trail that a woman's husband was a member of ICE and to boycott her business. There was a sign actually put up there. Oh, my and goodness. And first of all, her husband was Homeland Security, not ICE, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but it, got, it gets to the point where people are take because you say something or because you work a particular job right. or— this little vigilante group running around looking at people's Facebook page right. because you agree with a certain position, you're going to get outed and boycotted, and right. is it going to be? I mean, and there and there's an example of she went out of her lane. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what does that do? At the end of the day, what does that do? Yeah, damages the person, right? But yeah, right. And is that? I mean, is that your goal? And and you know, and you know, as a psychologist and as a, a practitioner of good mental health and better lives, I ask people at the end of the day, like. If you hurt someone and you knowingly are going out to hurt someone, would you really do that? Most of the time, most, not all, most of the time people say, well, no. I'm like, well, if you look at that example and if that woman had been sitting with me and said, oh, I went and did that, I would have said, what was your goal? Yeah. You know, what was your goal? And then wherever it fell out from there, of like really challenging it, not that I have the right answer, but making her have the thought all the way through that, you know, you know, there's a moral compass there that you have that someone else doesn't have the shared experience. And, you know, where where is this going? What is the point of this? You know, right. I mean, um, it's it, you know, it's yeah. it's the draw out point. That's that's unfortunate that that happened. But and, the purpose, as you probably have summarized, the purpose was it didn't have anything to do with this woman, her husband, and her business. Right. This had to do with the self-image of the person doing it. Exactly. I stood up and did this. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it gave a person I'm um, that type point. of person. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, not that I'm asking you to say, but at the end of the day, then what do we think about that person? Right. It's like, do we think that that's a good thing? You know, there's plenty of people out there that might be like, yeah. And there's plenty of people out there that are going to go, wow. 
But if you have narcissism in you, which I don't know this woman, but yep. if you have a lot of narcissism and a lot of fractures, that is what a person would do as a reactionary behavior is post some is put something up like that. Right. It's like I look at me, look at what I stand for like that, you know. Um, and then someone might say, well, how, how's that any different than writing Black Lives Matter on the ground? Or, okay, one is to damage someone and right. one is not. Right. So it's oh, motive yeah, there's, there's and agenda. It's like, yeah. so there's a difference. Like if you're if you're posting up graffiti that's that's got a Nazi symbol or you're doing something like I love all people in the same wall, there's a different agenda, and that's you know right. being able to designate, and people will people will pull that apart too, and be like, well, who's to judge? Well, there's a difference between good and evil. There's a difference right. between healthy, unhealthy, and moral code. You know, cr across growing up years, would teach someone that there's a general sense of the angel and the devil in the room, right. and you should be able should, right, as a loose term, should be able to know the difference, and and and. The narcissism piece, the that piece of damage comes in because it's more about people not thinking about the impact on other people or the hurt that they're going to cause or whatever. Yeah. Because, you know, by and large, I mean, I can think of a few examples of similar to that that have been in my practice, and and I've questioned yeah. the person, at, you know, like, and and but we're now, not good. And at... Now what? And now what? What does that do for you? And you know, yeah. and they still stand by their thing that they did, and like. You know, and that, and then when you point out like the consequences of that, and a lot of the times it will move the person a little bit, but many times if yep. there's a heavy load of narcissism, it won't. Right, because you're having trouble differentiating between your personal goals and your ideological goals. Right. That that was that had nothing to do with the ideological goals. Right. In fact, it detracted from it because anyone who might be pro-immigration, who might agree with the sentiment, right is going to, hopefully, they're going to get turned off by that. I mean, it's just right. you just don't do that. That's just right. not the way to go about this. Right. So it detracts from it. and But we have a hard time differentiating personal agenda with larger societal agenda. Right. Right? Well, that's and why I, I think we get lost in that a lot. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it, that's where it all starts, individual. Right. Right, and and I think that you'll, and I, I think you'd agree that we, we often talk that global, you know, we, not you and me, but yeah. we as a collective, we, we talk globally or much more community-based in the grand scheme, but it, it's really about the individual. It's coming down to each individual being able to be accountable for themselves, responsible for themselves, and if everyone could do that healthier, yeah. to, right, collectively then the global piece would be much more conducive to, you know, less yeah. fixations, less narcissism, less um, evil or bad intentions or outcomes or reaction versus response. You'd see that a lot. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to think about. But if if the listeners are thinking about like what they can do on an individual level, I mean, it's really about be self-aware, know what you really think and how it impacts the world around you, um, you know, how it impacts your family, how it impacts your family's friends yeah. how it, you know and, and that's different than being self-conscious this is really about thinking through like if i hold this ideology if i hold this thought process and this prejudice or this idea about someone something or some group then how does that then play out how am i teaching my kids what do i want to teach my kids do yeah. i want to teach them to do that or do or do i want them to have like more open dialogue to understand that there's lots of different opinions in the world and that's okay right. and we don't damage people you know, and people say, oh, that's so Pollyanna and that's so this and that. Well, being kind and being loving and being generous and being a good person, I don't think that's really Pollyanna. I think that makes you a healthier individual. And why wouldn't you want to mm -hmm. do that? I think we have to take the uniforms off. I, I think what happens is you have a particular ideology. You come from a certain bent. And generally speaking, you go in that direction. But when a piece of policy or a piece of action or reaction comes down to something that's not good, even though you might be on the side of that ide ideology, you got to be, you got to have the strength to stand up and say, no, I don't go, I don't agree right. with that. Right. I right. understand what they're going for, but that's not the way we go about it. Right. And I, and that starts in, in youth is being able to teach yeah. your kids that. Yeah. And, and there's so many deficits and that's a whole different well, like show standing on parenting up against, and upbringing. Yeah. And, standing up against racism and bigotry and police brutality is one thing, tagging a building is another thing. Right. And you know, you can you can hold both thoughts in your head that you don't want police brutality, right. you don't want racism and bigotry, but you don't want people tagging buildings either. Right. Exactly. You don't have to it's not an a la carte package. You can right. sit well, there and, and it's not all or nothing either. And I think that was what right. I was saying yeah. like thirty minutes ago is it's not you know, you can have both you can hold both ideas right. at the same time, you know. 
Um, it's kind of like saying to your kid, I love, I love you, but I don't like you right now, but or to, I don't like your behavior right now. But to do that, you have to look at the people beside you in that thought process right. or ideology and accept the fact that some people aren't going to agree with you on exactly. that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So and, it's and, a matter of self-strength to right. say, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but right. I don't agree. Right. Exactly. And I'm and, okay with my, myself not agreeing. And I, and I think that this is going to be a... a age old and keep going it's never you know history will repeat oh, it's itself worse. around like thought processes you know yeah. if we go back to all the you know the um philo philosophical writers um and you think about everyone that's written over time it's similar like we're having similar conversations right now that you know plato wrote about aristotle wrote about you know kant wrote about all the different people coming up through about human nature this is it's repeating itself that you know we're probably having more dialogue about it now like globally because of access socially in social media but man i think that we're going to continue to have those dialogues going through and if some if more people could get to the point where you know i'm on all sides if we're talking about like the right and left or yeah. we're talking about people who hold two thoughts and one is like you've got to believe what i believe and the yeah. other side has to do that well you know everyone has to be able to have that that's a wonderful ideal way of yeah. thinking about that so but the psychology behind that is you know it really comes down to your exposure rate of upbringing and how you're idealized and how they're formed in your life coming up through and what your community is i mean very different if you grow up in vermont like i did versus in boston yeah you know if you grow up in california southern california versus middle of montana you know those wow. so the conversations like this are going to continue human nature is such that it's human nature but then it's shaped by these dimensional things that come into play that are so hard to get people to really stay aware of and move on yeah. because it's what you know. You, I know, also you, know, think you it's, go with what you know. I also think it's time and environment being raised in the 2000s as sure. opposed to being raised in the 60s, 60s or 70s. Oh, absolutely. You have a different tolerance for stepping outside of the ideological lines and yes. saying, I buy this, but I don't buy that. Right. Or, right. you know, this is okay, but I don't want right. that. Absolutely. You know, I hate that guy or I'm not, never going to vote for that party, but that policy was good. No, right. one's ever, no one says that right. now, nowadays right. because you're not well, allowed you to do it. you do hear it occasionally, but it's so far in between that yeah. you have to be a, a listener to everything. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm a consumer of, like, right. lots of information because I like to know as many sides as much as I can. So I do hear that, but it's really rare yeah. that someone can say that, even, you know, that can say, I, I like that, but not that, but I do like this. And, yeah. and, and be, there's that open dialogue. That's the being open to the framework of, okay, you know, I don't have to be wed to this one thing. Wed, wedded to the one thing is safe. Yeah. And people will dance with the devil that they know rather than the devil they don't. And you'll hang out with people who accept, and you can build a world and a self-image right. and an, a local environment that is very soothing, but, you know. Right, well, and, yeah. that's, and that's the Just go hang out with those people who think the way you do. So that's the protecting your, your ego is the reality. So you're, it protects your self-image because you find, you know, the self-verification theory is that, you know, people go and find other people who verify their yep. experience and their thought process, and that's how, you know, and, and we'll get ready to close the show, but, you know, it's kind of like when you work with people in addiction, you know, people who are still in addiction who want to be out of addiction, but they're sort of contemplating it in between, they will continue to go back to the friends that they have yep. that are in addiction saying, well, do you think this is a good idea? Yep. And what do the friends say? No, you don't need to do that. You'll be fine. Versus you come out of that group of people that are sharing the experience with you and you go to people right. that say hey if you really want to be clean and sober you can't be doing that you can't be around those people they're good people but while they're in addiction they're not helping you yep. therefore you know really over here that's not what a person who's contemplating pre-contemplating it wants to hear they want to hear what they want to hear so they go right. back to what they know yep. so that's what people like you could take that for po politics religion sex yeah. you know children money and here you have it that if you really want to move on the concept you have to go to, and it's not about sides, it's just going to a different thought process on an alternative basis to say there's got to be something else out there. And people stay in addiction, stay in a thought process because it's what's safe. It's what they know. Right. And, and so to get out of what you bias. know, you've yeah. really got to challenge your thought process and say, it doesn't mean you have to change, but man, educate yourself. Part of being a better human being in life is just, and that doesn't mean you have to go to formal education. It's just read more, listen more, listen to more things, yeah. talk to more people, get all sides, be patient, listen, listen, yeah. listen. Seek the alternative view. Yeah, seek it. That doesn't, that doesn't mean, mean you have to, to validate it. It right. doesn't mean you have to accept it. But right, it means you have to know that there's other things out there. But most of this stuff is so complex. Right. 
it's confirmation bias. If, you, if you're with people that agree with you, you're only going to get the context right. and the information that agrees with the narrative. Right. Listen exactly. to the information that doesn't agree with the narrative, and then you can decide whether to accept it or not. Right. But if you're never exposed to the contrary information, you never get to make that decision. Exactly. And that's on anything. Yeah, anything. Like, you can yep. take that across the board, you know, in, in terms of anything. Well, yeah, but just medical. So we seek second opinions. Exactly. Or and by the way, you go to a, you have a particular opinion, or you have a particular condition, and you go to a surgeon, surgeon's going to tell you to have surgery. Mm-hmm. You go to a, someone who practices alternate medicine, it's going to tell you to do that. Right. And they all may have valid points, listen to them all, and right. then triangulate the truth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and I think I've said that before, is that when people come to me and there's some, like, anomaly kind of problem on the board, you know, I'm not wed to saying, like, you have to stay with me. I often say, I think you should get this person to talk to you and that person, I think, you, so that you know, and I think it would be helpful for that. Because... I take that off the table to make sure because I practice what I Mm -hmm. preach, hopefully, and get that to happen because I want people to do that because it's so important that people aren't wed, you know, to, you know, old school, old school doctors, you know, you don't, I get, I get patients in their seventies, eighties that won't challenge and and by challenge, I mean, ask their, their primary care, like, you know, do you really think that that might be the best thing? You know, this medication's causing this and I educate them on that and they say, oh, I can't say that to my doctor. He'll be mad. This is with kids psychotropics. It's like the doctor tells you, take this, take your kid should take this. Right. You do that without asking other people, getting right. seeking out contrary opinion. That's right. nuts. And I get that a lot when people will yeah. come to me. This is like a perfect example. People come to me saying, oh, my, you know, my kid's on, here's the medications. I do an intake and I say, oh, and, I, and I'll go through because of the, you know, the integrative piece that I do for my medical practice part, right? And I'll say, this, did you know this causes this, this, and this in, in children? And they go, oh, my doctor didn't tell me that. Yeah. So now, you know, and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. So because people blindly go with the one idea right. instead of saying and I say you can do whatever you want but I want to make sure you're educated to know this information I always say and you can look it up and I give multiple sources yeah. because I don't want anyone to just be like oh she thinks she's an authority no if I'm going to tell you something it's going to have some merit behind it and you can take it or leave it but I just right. need you to know because I don't want you know people get put on stuff all the time and it's a weight gainer or it's a sexual side effect that's big or that it has like mood dysregulating things that you have to do other things with yeah. but nobody says that and all of a sudden the person comes in and says I'm, I've am i gained 10 pounds and I can't figure out why and then I do a medication check I'm like oh because you're on that yeah. and like well nobody told me I'm telling you now right. you know, so it's that, it's that there's a great example of alternative thought process find out don't just think it's one thing because there's I mean there's a reason why on TV you hear when you take this drug your eyes may fall out you bleed from your, <laughs> your nose yeah. you know yeah. you might die if you die contact us you know yeah, I love exactly. that one yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know in terms it, 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 there was something last night I was watching on something caused herpes I'm like oh well that one's great well, the drug causes taking. herpes yeah that's it oh, wow. said it, and it's like it could cause herpes i'm thinking hmm i don't know about that so anyway so on that note yes as we end the show don't take drugs um, that could cause herpes unless yes, no, unless you vet the whole process anyway yeah um on that note so for living your best life this week the the tip would be that if you um are are feeling like you do or you know not feeling if you know you have one idea Challenge yourself this week to maybe look for other ideas. Doesn't mean you have to change them, but maybe look for other thoughts around that one idea to see if, you know, educate yourself a little bit. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't mean you agree with it, but maybe find something just to educate yourself, to give yourself more breadth. Um, You know, it does actually sometimes alleviate anxiety for people because they're not stuck. Give yourself Um, permission to pick and choose what you agree with. Right. You you sign up for one doesn't mean you sign Sign up for for everything. everything. Right. Exactly. And no harm in education. There's no harm in getting knowledge. Right. None. Because it gets you just smarter and, and, you know, better able to manage your thought process. Uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you want audio only versions to take along with you and uh, back issues are available on all those outlets. Or on my website. On the website. GameFaceConsulting.com or you can contact me at my email or my phone number at the bottom of the screen. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody have a fantastic week. Thank you.